It was, a, it was a relationship where he would go out of his tent one morning and be in the presence of God in the same day. He walked out of there and went right into God. God Moses went up unto God. That's amazing to me. He just went up unto him, talked to him. Uh, and when we think about that, that's quite incredible to me, and it should be incredible to you too, to think that a man like this could just come into the presence of God. But also remind you of a couple of points here tonight. Number one is this is that if we never had such men that went into the presence of God to receive the message of God, we wouldn't have the Word of God that we have today. Amen? I'm thankful that God, in His great grace and mercy, allowed such men as Moses and others to enter into His presence so that we may receive and have the words of God that we have in front of us. Uh, Had it not been for such, uh, no doubt God, in His great grace, could have written it for us and His sovereignty, but that's not the way He chose it to be. Rather, he chose for holy men of old to write down the words of God and to give them to us so that we could have his word before us as we do this very evening. And not only that, but God in his grace and sovereignty too has preserved his word and has given us his word so that we could have his word all throughout eternity even as we do tonight. But the thing about it is this, is that these words... They're originally written to the children of Israel. Some claim that, they say, well, these promises are not for us today. And a lot of people do this with the Old Testament and some with the New. They'll say things like that. They'll say, well, these are not really for us. And I understand what they mean by that in some cases and in some situations. But uh, in, our, in our text tonight, I don't think any of us, I don't think the lowliest of scholar could probably look at these texts and at least compare some easy cross-references and look back and forth and say to themselves, you know what, there is a lot of the good things in here for us. There's good words of God for all of us here this evening that we must see and believe and understand that God is still promising to his people strength, salvation, and help over and over and over and over again. Just turn to your Psalms, Psalm chapter number 18. What does he say there? Well, notice what it says there in Psalm 18 in verse number 1. He tells them very plainly. He says there, In Psalm 18, 1, in verse number 2, he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress, my deliverer, and my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. That's what David says of God. That's who he is. Is this promise good for us? Praise God, I believe it is. What about Isaiah chapter number 40 in verse number 31? What does he tell us there? Well, he says in this particular passage here, another comparison to him and an eagle. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse number 30 and verse number 31. He says now, even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The prophets tell us that he will give us strength. The Psalms tell us that he will give us strength. Now take your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 8. The Bible tells us here that as Paul was experiencing a great trial of affliction, he was experiencing a great problems in his life. That in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, or excuse me, chapter number 1, in verse number 8, he says this. 
He says, now, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death upon ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom trust that he will yet deliver us. Did you notice what Paul did there? In verse number 11, he spoke in the past, he spoke in the present, and he also spoke in the future tense. In one verse, he said, he has delivered us, he will deliver us, or he, he is delivering us now, and he will be delivering us again. We hope in that. We trust in that. This is just showing to us here that these promises of God are yea and amen. The, the word of God is for us today. It is for us right now that we can trust and rest that these promises that have been given to us are for us today. Moses comes to God in quite an incredible feat. Not only should it remind us that the promises of God have been given to us from holy men of God, as 1 Peter says, but also it should remind us of a very simple truth. That all of us can come before God too. You remember there's a passage there, there's Moses earlier on as he's talking to God, and he's telling God uh, that he wants to see his glory, and he is wanting to uh, know more about God, and he's almost having an argument with God, it seems like. He's reminding God of his word. God says that I will do this, and he says, well, I haven't seen you do that yet. I haven't seen these things happen in my life yet. God, I mean, what's happening? Um, is there not, do you think that God does not like this? Do you think God is upset with Moses? He's not. Because he answers Moses in the affirmative. In the positive. How many of us talk to God like that? How many of us know his word so well that we can just come right into the presence of God and say, God, your word says. God, your word says this, and, and I believe it. And Lord, I, I, it's not, I'm not saying name it and claim it. That's not what the point being tonight is this. But do we sometimes talk to God in this, in this manner? You think that God wants you to talk in this manner? I know we must be reverential to God. But God is also, remember, our what? Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. Do your children, those sometimes come to you with a request, and though they may come very reverentially, but yet they still kind of banter back with you, kind of talk with you, and say, kind of, kind of trying to coax you into something, try to talk you into some things, try to uh, ask you some things. This is a very amazing thing about God whenever you consider it. Because God, who is all sovereign, completely in control, his will is completely ordained before the, before the annals of time, yet this same God that has directed all things in all ways and as uh, even, uh, even in, some, in so many ways put us in our very steps, yet it, the same God responds to man's request. Isn't that amazing? I mean, as one person said, theologically, that doesn't make sense. But it has to make sense because the Bible words it like that and tells us these things. Have you come before God? Do you walk into his presence? Do you enter into his presence? What does the book of Hebrews say? Well, Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 16. The Bible says, let us boldly come before the throne of grace 
boldly. You know what the word boldly it can be also be thought of as it can be put as this brazenly. Brazenly. Brazenly come into the throne room of God. Boldly coming before the throne of grace. Think about that. Have you ever thought about that word throne of grace? What is that telling us? It's telling us that God is sitting on a royal throne. Who's on a throne? A king, a monarchy, a person in high power. Now, does anybody in this room just kind of get an appointment with the Queen of England? You know? I mean, do, I mean, I mean, do, do any of y'all just uh, get on your Learjet and just kind of fly over to, uh, to London and just say, you know what, I'm here to see the Queen? And they say, who's your, what's your name? Oh, well, I'm Doug. I'm Doug. Oh, okay. Well, come on in. I, <laughs> I forgot you were coming. Uh, I don't, well, I don't have to announce my coming, you know. You just waltz right in there. No, that's not how it works at all. But God says, that's how it works with me because I'm your father. You just come right into my presence. You come right to me. And now Moses comes, went up unto God. And tells them, he says, and look what he says in verse number 3. He says, and thou shalt say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Moses comes to God. He says, tell the children of Israel. And truly, I believe that's what preaching is. What we're having tonight is preaching because what we're doing tonight is we're telling others about the goodness of God. Telling others how God can have, you can have strength through God. Encouraging, admonishing, exhorting the brethren in the things of God. And Moses was told to open his mouth and speak the wonderful mercies and promises of God. Paul even said to the Ephesians in Acts 20 and verse number 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And so we must receive this tonight. This encouragement. Moses comes to God. Secondly, we see Moses' encouragement from God. Moses' encouragement from God. And he tells them in verse number 4, he says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. God says, I bore you on eagles' wings. I have helped you. I have delivered you. Now, don't be upset with me, okay? You can be upset with National Geographic or whoever you want to, all right? But understand, I know that maybe some of you have maybe heard this, and I have heard it in other messages before, that maybe uh, what this picture is, and um, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter number 32 while we're talking about this, but Deuteronomy chapter number 32. And sometimes there is this thought, there is this picture in our minds of what God is doing here is, uh, and this has been replayed, I think, in sermons. I remember a very uh, well-known preacher preaching about this one time, and it really stirred me up, and, uh, and, it, really, and it even helped me some, but... Um, he says here in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, again, he's comparing himself to an eagle. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth her over her, wing, over her young, spreadeth her abroad her wings, and taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Um, but there is this thought that, and it has been preached before, that, that eagles kind of push their young out of their nests, and then let them fall for a long ways and then fly and swoop underneath them and then pick them up and take them back to the nest. Uh, that has been written down by some, uh, some sources, but it's never actually ever been observed uh, in a, uh, a bird-watching book or bird-watching authority, you might say, uh, that this particular thing 
uh, happens. Uh, it's not to say that it never has happened, okay? That's not the point. But I don't believe that's the point of the text. If we just uh, are going to focus in on the point of the text here, that, uh, that what it really means is that, uh, that eagles knock their children out of their nests and then they swoop down and pick them up, uh, then we've really missed something here, okay? The, the point of the text is this, is that just as an eagle is swift and sure and strong and speedy, so God is the same way with you and with me. So God is swift, he's sure, he's speedy, he's strong. He will bear you up just as an eagle can bear up some things. You say, what about it? Well, think about this. An eagle can carry its own weight while flying, mind you. (laughs) All right? Have you ever seen uh, videos of eagles? Amazing. What they can carry, what they can pick up. The bald eagle can carry over 100% of its weight. Some eagles have been recorded to carry over one and a half times their weight while flying. Some eagles are about 20 pounds, some of the largest ones. Can you imagine they can carry almost 35 pounds? That's amazing. 30 pounds. Uh, just, just think about that. That's a, that's a huge amount. Uh, flying through the air with uh, 30 pounds of weight in your, in your grasp and in your talons, uh, inside those talons. Uh, God has equipped the eagle in a very unusual way uh, to carry its own body weight, to carry its own uh, prey off. But the point being here tonight is simple, is that God is trying to teach us that though eagles may per se not push their children out of their nest... Perhaps they do. Some have said they do, and some have seen that this has happened. But the, the teaching is much for a much more broader truth. Just as I read to you in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, that God is trying to help us to understand that God is here to save us. God is here to deliver us. God is here to encourage us. God is here to strengthen us. If you take your Bibles over even uh, to Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 14, there's an illusion given here of, uh, of, of Israel itself on, on, on wings uh, being saved uh, from Satan during the great persecution that's happening to them. For the Bible says in Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 14, the woman, that is Israel, were given two wings of a great eagle and that she might fly into the wilderness in her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time for the face of uh, from the face of the serpent, from the rest of the rest, from the rest of the tribulation, she is hidden from the serpent, so that she's protected. Israel is; she will not be destroyed. Uh, Israel will not be destroyed, and has not been destroyed, and will not be destroyed. God will ultimately and finally save His people. But there's an illusion here that they will have like eagles' wings, and like in our text here, back to Exodus chapter number 19, He says in in verse number four, you have seen what I've did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. It's an illusion. God is showing us something. He's given us an illustration here that he bears them up. He picks them up. He carries them. He is putting them on his back and shipping them off and helping them. Look at your life. He says, look back at the Egyptians. Look what I did. Look how I saved you. Look how I delivered you. Look how I protected you. Now look at your life. Look at what God has done for you. We should always be keeping in mind how God has saved us, how God has delivered us, how God has protected us. Some of the sweetest times that Karis and I have is when we think back of whenever God has provided for us. 
We say, you remember that time that God provided for us? You remember when God took care of us? You remember when God did this for us? We ought to do that for ourselves. That's an encouragement. That's a help. He comes just in the nick of time. He's swift. He's swooping. He's unsuspecting. If you ever watched an eagle pick a prey out of, its, out of the water, one might say that the fish never knew what was coming, right? Isn't that true, too, about God's deliverance in our life? We didn't even know it was coming. I mean, we thought we were falling down. We thought we were going headlong in this thing. We thought we weren't going to be saved. We weren't going to be helped. We thought that maybe this is over with. But God, just in the nick of time, swoops down, picks us up, and carries us off. Now, he's not like the eagle. He doesn't eat us, praise God, after it's all said and done, okay? All right? But the point being tonight is this, is that he's helping us. He's blessing us. He's strong. He's swift. He can deliver you. And if an eagle can carry its weight, and if God's comparing himself to an eagle, then they ask you a question. If God can carry himself and his own weight, how much can he carry? Can you weigh God? (laughs) Can you put God on a scale? No, you cannot. God put the whole entire nation of Israel on his back. And he marched them out of Egypt. Over two million people. Let me ask you a question. How small are you and I in comparison to two million people? Amen. Be encouraged. God says, I've put you on as eagle's wings. I've put you on my back. I've guided you. I've directed you. I can deliver you. I am like an eagle. Thirdly, we see... Moses' command from God. He says, now therefore, I want you to do something. If you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be, my peculiar, be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Moses is commanded by God to say, now go talk to my children. And tell them what I've just told you, that I've carried you, I've bore you, I've sustained you. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me. Heed to me. Remember what I've said to you. Remember this chapter's a turning point because he's fixing to give to them the law, the law of Moses, the law of God. He's going to give it to them here in just a little bit. But he wants them to understand that if they will listen, that if they will hear, that God has a great reward for them. He says, you will be my peculiar treasure. He says, you will be my my priesthood. He says, you will be my holy nation. Take your Bibles and turn, if you will, over to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1. Do any of those things that I just said to you sound any what somewhat familiar to any of you? If it does, you know why. 1 Peter, chapter number 1. It's just like I said earlier. Are these promises good for us today? I don't know, you decide for yourself. First Peter chapter number 1, he says, you'll be my treasure. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We're a treasure and we have a treasure with God, an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. We are priests of God. Look, if you will, in Second in, in First Peter, or excuse me, in Second Peter chapter number two and verse number nine. Or excuse me, you're right. I was right. First Peter chapter number two and verse number nine. Not Second Peter. First Peter. Look at here. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And then again in the book of Revelation. We've been going to this book of Revelation many times. But what does he say in Revelation chapter number 1 and verse number 6? And he hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are his royal priesthood. We are his treasure. But look here also in verse number 9 again. He says, and you are what? An holy nation, a peculiar people, his peculiar treasure. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, God's promises are yea and amen. God's promises are very similar when they are compared in the word of God. Here we look at 1 Peter and we're find, finding out here that God is promising us the very same thing. But look what he says too in verse number 11. Dearly beloved... I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. He says in verse number 12, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they behold, we glorify God in the day of visitation. Are there not certain commandments that we must follow? Yes, there are. All of us. None of us should believe and none of us should think like the children of Israel so wrongly did that by sheer virtue of being a child of God that every single one of us are entitled to the same rewards and glory one day. We are not. There is no entitlement factor with God. The children of Israel didn't possess it. That's proven out very well whenever they disobeyed God here in a few chapters and they find out that for 40 long years they're going to suffer and, they're not, and, a, and a generation is not going into the promised land. And we as children of God too must realize this is that we have, there is no spirit of entitlement with us either. That yes, we are a peculiar treasure. Yes, we're a holy nation. Yes, by God's grace, he has even granted us that we be priests in his kingdom. But the point being is this, is that let none of us by think to ourselves that we're all going to possess the same position in the eternal kingdom of God, that we're all going to have the same rewards. No, my friend, he says here, if you will hear me, if you will listen, if you will obey what I have said to do, And so the, the question we must ask ourselves is this, what is our response to the deliverance of God? The children of Israel said, when Moses rehearsed this before their face, all that the Lord hath spoken we will do. <laughs> A lot easier to say it than there is to do it. They said they would obey, 
but they did not obey. And before we're too quick to speak out and say, I'll do what God says. I'll do what God says. Let us pray for the grace and the strength to be sustained to actually do it. Because we all need grace. But God is trying to speak to us tonight in this word with this particular thing. I've bore you on eagle's wings. My deliverance is safe. My deliverance is swift. My deliverance is secure. My deliverance is strong. My deliverance is sure. I am able to come and help you. I am able to provide for you. I am able to bear you up. I am able to reward you. Will you obey me? Will you listen to me? Will you heed to what I say? What is our response to the deliverance of God? First of all, do we believe God will deliver? Do we believe that? Oh, he will, my friend. Just in the nick of time. He can and he will. And when he does, will we listen to what he has to say? Will we hear him out? I pray that by faith we'll have the obedience to do so. Father, we're thankful for the word.